Let us turn in the Word of God then to the Psalm 101, that Psalm that we read, the Psalm 101. I draw your attention to the verse 2. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. It is especially the question in the midst of the verse that is our main text tonight, though I would like you to keep the whole psalm open. We will look at the whole psalm. But it is the question that certainly I want to come to as a highlight, our text. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? Here we have, as the title says, a psalm of David. David penned it, as he did many of the psalms. Davidic psalms are not only Davidic, they are also messianic. They're about Christ, and very many of them can be looked upon as Christ speaking, the Spirit of Christ speaking through David. So David here is speaking undoubtedly. He's speaking as a king. He's reigning, and thus he speaks this psalm. He's singing of mercy and of judgment. But it's not just David. And that's the way we're looking at this psalm. It's not just David speaking. There's a greater than David singing this psalm. And that's the way we want to look at it tonight. There is one who is at the right hand of the Father. There's one who is on the majesty on high. And today he's singing this psalm. He's uttering this psalm to us tonight. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who reigns in the heavens is the one who often sung this psalm. And that's the way we're looking at it tonight. Because he is the one who can only do the things in this psalm that we're going to look at, that we're going to see. And he's going to come back again to judge the earth and to cut off wicked doers from the city of the Lord. As it says at the end of the psalm, there's only things here Jesus Christ can do. There's only things here Christ can fulfill. And so this is about Christ. This is about the Savior, about the Redeemer. So we have the mind of Christ speaking in this psalm. And very many of the psalms are like that. You'll remember how Psalm 22 is undoubtedly the mind of Christ when he was on the cross. Dogs have compassed me about, he said. The assembly of the wicked, they have enclosed me. They've pierced my hands and my feet. Who's revealing his mind in Psalm 22? It's Christ. It's none but Christ. I don't think David had his hands and feet pierced. The Savior did. They look and stir upon me. They part my garments among them, and they cast lots upon my vesture. It's the mind of Christ revealed in Psalm 22. There's no question. And Psalm 40. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. That's not David. That's the Christ. Mine ears hast thou opened. Lo, I come. I'm coming. It's Messiah. Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it's written of me. And so Christ in Psalm 40 is revealing his mind through David. A messianic psalm. Nearly all the psalms are messianic, actually. And this one is messianic. It's Christ, as we'll see, speaking. So he's the one 
who's revealing his mind. And this psalm has fulfillment. And that's true. It's a vow. I'll walk before the Lord with a perfect heart in my house and all of that there. But it's not just a vow to be holy and godly. It's also a vow to judge the wicked. I'll cut off the wicked. I'll cut off slanders. I'll bring down high looks. There's also a vow to judge and to punish the wicked. And all those things are found in this psalm. Whenever you look at everything, you have to realise that this is just about Christ. So only King Jesus fulfills this psalm. You remember how the apostle to the Hebrews said that the Lord Jesus Christ was holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. And this psalm here, in a sense, is an exposition of that saying of the apostle to the Hebrews. The one in this psalm is the holy one. He's the undefiled one. He's the pure one. And this psalm provides a beautiful description of the innocent Son of God, of him that is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity and sin and who can't tolerate, tolerate transgression. So in this psalm then we have the king set forth as holy. You see it there in verse 2 when he says there, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Now David no doubt tried to be perfect in his house, but he couldn't. He had problems in his house. He, 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 let, he, he tolerated too much sin in his house. He let some of his sons off with things. You remember he went up to the top of his house one day and he saw Bathsheba and he sinned. So he didn't, he didn't walk within his house with a perfect heart. He doesn't fulfill this psalm. Jesus Christ does. He walked with a perfect heart. A perfect heart, mind you. He had a holy walk. He says, I'll walk within my house with a perfect heart. So he, he, has, a, he has this godly behavior, this godly walk. And in his mind, there's no unclean thing. He says there in verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. That's not David. You only have to read what he did that day when he saw Bathsheba. It entered into his heart. But here's the Savior says, No wicked thing before mine eyes. It's Christ. It's the Holy One. He's godly and upright. And no, no sin will cleave to him. It says there in verse 3, It shall not cleave to me. That's wickedness. This sin of others. Them that turn aside in sin, he says it will not cleave to me. This is Christ. This is the Holy One. This is the undefiled. This is the one who's separate from sinners. What does he say there in verse 4? A forward heart shall depart from me, separate from sinners. I will not know a wicked person. I won't acknowledge the ungodly. I won't recognize their wickedness and the way they get on. No, he's separate from sinners and he's harmless. You see how he says there that whosoever privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. The Lord's not going to slander. He's not going to slander anybody. He's just going to speak the truth all the time. He'll speak what he knows. That's what he says. I know. I know the things have been revealed to me by my Father. I know I speak the truth. He doesn't speak lies. He doesn't slander. It's only the truth that he utters. So he's holy and he's harmless and he's undefiled and he's separate from sinners and he's humble and he can't abide the proud. And also not only has he got this holiness, this holy resolve, this, this innocence, this integrity, 
this perfection in heart and in walk. But he also here says that he'll reward the faithful. Verse 6, Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. Now, no doubt David tried to find faithful ones, but there were no doubt there were many who escaped his attention. He couldn't find them all, and they certainly couldn't all dwell with him, but they'll dwell with the Lord Jesus, every one of them. He'll find all the faithful in the land, every one of them. He'll not miss one of them. Not one of them will be out of his gaze, and they'll be with him, dwelling with him. Dwell with me forever. I'll find the faithful, and you'll be with me forever, dwelling with me. So this is Christ. Finding the faithful in the land. Those that have walked as he walked, they they shall dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. And this is the Lord Jesus Christ, finding out those who are his servants, dwelling with him, but also serving him. They follow the Lamb with us wherever he leads them. And they serve him night and day in his sanctuary, in his temple. They'll serve me. This is only fulfilled in Christ. This isn't fulfilled in David. David's seen nothing about this. Jesus Christ sees all of this fulfilled. He's in the psalm. They're going to be with Christ, the believers. The day you'll be with me in paradise, dwelling with me in paradise, he said to the thief on the cross. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, dwelling with the Lord. These are the promises of the gospel to saints. So you see then, there's a greater than David in this psalm. But not only is he holy and undefiled and innocent and separate from sinners, not only does he reward the faithful of the land and recognize him and cause him to dwell with him and to serve him forever and ever, the one in the psalm is also the righteous judge, the judge of all the earth, the one who will cut off all workers of iniquity. He says there in verse 5, Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that have an high look and a proud heart, will I not suffer? David really couldn't cut off the slanderer. He no doubt executed men. He no no, no doubt did exercise the sword against wicked in some places here and there. But there were many who got off. And certainly plenty of slanderers in the land of Israel got off. But none gets off with Christ. The slanderer I'll cut off, he says. And you can't bring down the proud and high looks. It's impossible for governments to humble the proud heart. But the king of kings can bring it down. He says, I'll not suffer a proud heart. And then he says there in verse 7, He that worketh deceit shall not dwell with me. I'll find the faithful, they will dwell with me. But the deceitful worker will not dwell with my house. He'll not dwell with me. He that telleth lies shall not be in my sight. I will destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. This is the judge. This is the judge who says, the wicked won't dwell with me. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. You'll not dwell with me. This is the Lord who says, I don't know a wicked person. I never knew you. Depart from me, you're wicked. It's Jesus Christ who fulfills this psalm. It's all about him. It's the Savior who's talking in this psalm. It's the Savior who says, I'll destroy all the wicked of the earth. I'll cut off all the wicked doers from the city of the Lord. There'll not be one that entereth in that defileth. I'll cut them all off from the city of the Lord. They'll all be cast out into outer darkness. 
So it's the judge here as well that promises these things. So you see then that only Jesus Christ fulfills this psalm. That he is the one who is holy, undefiled, separate from sinners. He's the one who finds the the faithful so that they dwell with him forever and ever. And he's the one who destroys the wicked and cuts off and sends out of his presence from the city of the Lord forever all the wicked. David did very little of this. Christ does all of this. I think then it is conclusive. The mind of Christ is revealed in this psalm. And now we're going in the right direction whenever we look at this question. Tucked away here, in the midst here, nearly would miss it, nearly would not pause at it. But it's there, and tonight we're stopping at it. Tonight we're pausing at it. And this question I want to bring to your attention, oh, when? It's the Savior speaking now, and he's saying, oh, when? When wilt thou come unto me? When wilt thou come unto me? Now, we have to clear up here, first of all, who the Savior is speaking to whenever he utters this question. We have to ask ourselves, who's he he asking this question to? I know that he's he's speaking to the Father. You'll see that there in verse 1. I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O when wilt thou... Come on to me. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. And so it's true to say he's addressing his father. He's he's addressing his heavenly father. He's talking to his father in heaven. He's promising to be holy, godly and upright while he's on earth. He's promising that he'll judge the wicked. That he'll be a faithful servant of Jehovah. And that he'll do everything perfectly in obedience to his father's will. And so... There is a sense in which he's asking this this question of his father. And we can view it in that sense. And I want to deal with it in that sense, first of all, for a a moment or two. We can see the Lord Jesus saying, Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? Now, when did Jesus pray that to his father? He's making these holy vows. He's preparing himself for sacrifice, giving his whole heart, his life, in a holiness, in righteousness, and the promise to do his father's work in the ages to come. And he's giving himself a sacrifice. And in the midst of that he's saying, Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? All these vows of the Holy One, as he offers himself a sacrifice. And in the midst of it he asks this question. Remember on the cross he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Remember in Gethsemane, whenever he was in an agony? He's preparing to offer himself a sacrifice. But there is the separation, there is a cup of suffering, there is the mystery of Calvary, there is the bearing of our sins and all that's involved in that, all the darkness that is to cover the land and the darkness that is to cover his soul. Why art thou so far from my roaring? Why art thou so far from my crying? I cry unto thee day and night, but thou hearest not. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? When wilt thou come unto me? Remember how that Psalm 22, how he prayed that on the cross? 
It started off with, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But he prayed his whole way through the whole psalm till the very end. And part of the psalm is, don't be far from me. Trouble is near. There's nobody else to help me. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have compassed me round about. Oh, when wilt thou come and help me? When wilt thou, why, when wilt thou come to me? He says, they gape upon me with their mouths. They're like ravening and roaring lions. I'm poured out like water. My bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up. My tongue cleaveth to the roof of my mouth. I'm in the agony of Calvary. When, oh when, wilt thou come unto me? And so I think this psalm could be viewed as a psalm on the cross where he is offering himself, promising himself to be upright and godly, a sinless lamb who will do all the work of his heavenly father with utter faithfulness. And yet in the midst of it, there is this desolation and this sense of being forsaken and this sense of needing the father's help. Oh, when, when wilt thou come unto me? Dogs have compassed me. They've pierced my hands and my feet. I can tell all my bones. They stir upon me in my nakedness. My God, my God, when wilt thou come unto me? And so we're reminded here of the cross in the midst of this psalm. And so we could look upon it as being addressed to his his father. But I think we are not being unlawful with the text as viewing the question coming out of the mouth of Christ not just on the cross as he suffers for our sins and offers himself a sinless sacrifice I think that we are just in viewing this saying as coming from him now reigning promising still to cut off the wicked Promising still to exercise judgment in all the earth. Faithful to his covenant with his father to the end. To the end of time when at last all the wicked doers shall be extracted and excised from the city of the Lord. The tares taken from among the wheat and cast into the outer darkness. The Lord is determined still to carry out the covenant and to exercise all of these duties of him as the reigning mediator. And he still says this question, sitting at the right hand of the Father, he still speaks this question, but he no longer speaks it to the Father. He no longer has to say to the Father, when wilt thou come unto me? Because he's at the Father's right hand. He no more has to ask that question of his God. As he sits on the throne of his God, at the right hand of his own Father. No, he doesn't ask his Father that question, but he asks sinners that question. He asks tonight you that question. Every one of us, he asks this, Oh, when? When wilt thou come unto me? The Saviour is still questioning this text in the power of the Holy Spirit as the gospel goes out into all the earth. 
It's a question that needs an answer. And every man is asked the question, When, oh when, wilt thou come unto me? It's a question of Jesus Christ. And that, that's mainly the way that I want to deal with it tonight. We take it as a question then addressed to the sinner. How are we to view it? And what can we learn from it then if we take it at this, this way? And as I say, I don't think we're being unlawful in doing that. I know Jesus Christ does ask this question. He calls all sinners. And he says, when, when, when are you going to come? What we can learn from this question then. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ wants sinners to come to him. It's a coming to him. It's a coming to a person. When wilt thou come unto me? It's coming to him as Lord and Saviour. You know, that this question isn't about coming to an institution. It's not about coming to a church. It's not even about coming to salvation. It's about coming to Christ, coming to the Saviour, coming to a person, a person who reigns, a person who is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners, a person who is the judge of all the earth and will cut off all wicked doers. It's that person who's saying to me, when will you come to me? And so it's a person that the sinner needs to come to, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we also view this as something that's needful. And it is something needful. And the Lord Jesus Christ sees it as needful. The Lord Jesus Christ knows that sinners need to come to him. Or he'll have to cut them off. He'll have to destroy them as the wicked of the land. He knows that they have to come for him to him for life. You will not come to me that you might have life, he said. So he knows that sinners have to come to him for life. When will you come to me for life? That's what he's asking tonight. You need life. You're dead in your sins and you need life. When, when will you come to me for life? When? And then you need to come to him for rest. Do you remember how he called the burdened? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. You, you want to be saved. You want to get the burden of sin dealt with. You want to know that you're right with God and you're doing all these works and you're trying to appease and satisfy your conscience and you're trying to make yourself right with God and in the effort to try to make yourself right with God you're burdened and you're laboring and you're none, you're none in peace. He says, come to me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. I'm the rest giver. When, when will you come unto me for rest? When? You need to come to Christ for rest. It's something that the Lord Jesus desires. It's something that he counsels. It's something that he commands. We see that so often in the gospel, don't we? If any man thirsts, come to me. Come to me. You remember he met the woman at the well? And she was trying to satisfy her thirst in the well. And that was just a picture of her trying to satisfy her thirst in life drinking at the fountains of so many husbands. But it never satisfied. It didn't work. But Jesus arrived. Jesus arrived. One day, if you knew who I was, you'd ask of me. You'd come to me. I'd give you living waters. Living waters. That will satisfy. And so it's something the Lord desires. 
It's something the Lord has come into the world for. It's something that the Lord said at that well that day. He must needs go through Samaria to meet that woman, to invite her, to call her to come. When wilt thou come unto me? It's something Christ wills. It's something he desires. He sends out his preachers into all the earth to call sinners to tell them, tell them to come. Tell them the feast is ready. The table's laid. Everything's prepared. The work is finished. Just come. Come to the feast. But they don't come. And he has to say, oh, when? When will you come? When? When will you come? And so you see, the question implies there's negligence. The question implies there's slowness. The question implies there's a, there's a rejection of the invitation. And he's standing waiting. And he's saying, when are you going to come? When are you going to come? The invitations have gone out. When will thou come? It's also a very personal invitation. It's not when will you, lost in the plural, pronoun, but it's a singular pronoun. Every sinner, thou, thou the sinner, it's personal, it's to you, and it's to me. When, when will thou come? Well, the Lord's not asking your neighbour this. As far as you're concerned, it's to you. No, nobody's excluded from this question tonight. Thou, thou, every one of you. The Holy Spirit's saying to every one of you, when will thou come? No matter about your neighbour, what about you? When will thou come? And, and you can see it's asked with passion. It's asked with zeal. And our translators have got the sense of that. And that's why they stick the U at the front. Oh, oh when? Oh when will you come? There's passion in this. There's graciousness and sincerity and genuineness in this. There's, there's a freedom in the call. When will thou come, sinner? Oh, oh when? Oh when? Your need's desperate. Your time is short. The invitations have gone out long. They've sat for years on your mantelpiece. They've sat in your Bible on your study shelf. The invitations of the gospel. But when, oh when will thou come? When will thou come unto me? And it's a question that needs to be answered. At least have the decency to answer the question to the Lord. He sent out the invitation. He has earnestness and passion. At least have the decency to say, I'm not coming and I'm never going to come. You need to give the Lord an answer. Oh, don't give him that answer. Oh, when will thou come? Answer the question. It needs to be answered by every one of us. Have we come? Do we come daily to the Savior? Are we coming all the time? Believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. There's no one. To whom else can we come? You've only the words of everlasting life. We go to no one else but to you, Lord Jesus. We're knocking at your door every day for the forgiveness of our sins. Oh, when will thou come? What will it take? The force of the question really is in that word, when. When? Tomorrow? Oh, I'll leave it for a few years yet. What did Felix say? Oh, Whenever the apostle reasoned of righteousness and temperance and 
Judgment to come. What did Felix say? When I have a convenient season. When, when will you come, Felix? When will thou come unto me, Felix? When I have a convenient season, Lord Jesus. That's not good enough. You have a desperate need. The time is short. You're in your sins. You could be cut off at any time as a wicked doer in the land. And the Lord's saying to you, when? When? Don't give him that answer when it's convenient. Now. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he's near. Now. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, today, today if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now. Today. When? Will come today, Lord. When? Will come now. That's what you need to say to Jesus Christ. We're coming now, Lord. We're coming now. Don't say it tomorrow. But today. Don't even say it today. Say now. Now. What will it take? There was a Dutchman called John van der Kemp. And he was born in Rotterdam in Holland. And he was the son of a professor of theology in Holland, godly minister. But he went astray from the things of God. Went into great wickedness. He joined the army. He went to Scotland and he studied medicine in Edinburgh University. He was a very smart man. Brilliant mind. Great scholar. But he lived an ungodly life. He had an illegitimate child. A girl who he raised himself. And he married. And this verse, this question was always coming to him. When, oh when wilt thou come unto me? When wilt thou come unto me? But he was ungodly. And he he come to think that Jesus Christ was just a man. And he rejected Christianity. He married a girl, I think she was called Christine. And one day they went out on the river in Holland. And a great wind came, and there was a great surge in the river, and the boat was overturned. He was in the boat with his wee girl and his wife. None of them could swim. And whenever the boat overturned, the girl was just washed away, and she drowned instantly. He held on to his wife as long as he could, clinging to the side of the boat. It was going down the river in the swellings. Nobody would come up from the banks to rescue them. He held on to her as long as he could, until she slipped away as well. And the word came, oh, when? When will you come to me? When will you come to me? Miraculously and bravely by sailors who were on another boat on the river, he was rescued by their hand. That Lord's Day, he was in church. A new man. He answered the question, Now, what will it take? What will it take? When? When your wife dies? When the Lord takes your children away? When? When will you come to me? When? Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. So answer the question with your heart as Vander Kemp did and come to Christ. And come now.